everyone, and welcome to the War Memorial Opera House and the San Francisco Ballet Meet the Artist program, which is produced by the San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education. I'm very happy to have as my guest today, George Elvin, who has emerged from the depths of the Opera House to talk to us about his job as wardrobe manager. And if you think that sounds simple, wait until he tells it like it is. Please welcome him. Thank you very much. <laughs> and as you can see, he brought props. <laughs> My name is Cheryl Osala, and I'm a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. I'd also like to welcome our podcast listeners. Uh, for all of you out there in cyberspace, today is March 23rd, 2014. Uh, you can hear the Meet the Artist interviews at sfballet.org, and when you go there, you'll find all kinds of interesting things, like the company's blog, Open Studio 455, as well as videos, casting, and uh, information about upcoming events. So, George Elvin has been with the company for 37 years. <laughs> I can't tell you how many productions he's worked on, and I doubt he can. No. Nope. <laughs> but let's, let's estimate. Let's say 20 ballets per season plus Nutcracker. Uh, that works out to 775 ballets. Wow. <laughs> so it, that's, that's a rough count. Um, and many of them have dozens, if not hundreds, of costumes. So, of course, some of those productions are repeats, but costuming a production is no simple matter, whether it's a new ballet or not. So George manages the day-to-day -day operations of the wardrobe department, deals with the budget, oversees rentals, and handles the men's costumes, including fittings, maintenance, and repairs. He's involved in consultations with designers, problem solving, and in some cases, miracle working. So I'm gonna stop there, George, and ask you to fill in the blanks about what else you do. Well, I, um, yeah, I am responsible for the overall management of it. I'm not so much into the, uh, you know, the details as to how something necessarily is built, but I do have a lot of really good people working for me that perform the miracles and I'm there to or make sure you know, the time is organized, that we know what the artistic department wants or the designer wants or um, how we're gonna make a plan to perform the miracle because uh, every once in a while you go to somebody and say, you know, I don't know, the miracle well may run dry today. <laughs> it hasn't yet, but uh, it's been pretty close sometimes. But b believe me when I tell you that I have fantastically uh, talented people working for me. When, when they offered me the full-time job in September 81, um, the technical director, I told the technical director, I said, well, you know, I can't design, I can do some building, some sewing, and so on and so forth, but I'm not gonna design, I'm not gonna construct a costume from scratch. And he said, no, we don't want you to do that. We just want, we want you to run the department. I said, well, as long as we're clear about that, okay, so, uh, it's been, it's been a, a real good run, a real good run. But I started at the bottom as a dresser of the Party Boys with Nutcracker, so, uh, <laughs> and uh, moved on up. 
up, up the ladder, so to speak. And uh, this was going to be a short-term, temporary uh, type of situation, but uh, it's home. <laughs> and this place is home, just sitting here looking up at these balconies uh, any time. Standing on stage looking out here when the place is empty, you still feel like a kid. And that's a great way to feel about where you work, you know. <laughs> it beats the real world. If you're just joining us, I'm chatting with wardrobe manager George Alvin. Um, well, you, you semi-answered my next question, which was going to be, um, you know, did you train to do this? And did you start somewhere else before here doing this kind of work? Uh, this was a total accident. Uh, the only job I ever wanted when I was growing up was to be president of the United States. That didn't happen, <laughs> maybe the next lifetime. Uh, when I went to university, it was history and political science. And I thought, well, eventually I'll be teaching or something like that. But uh, after the first four years, I wanted to get off the merry-go-round and work for a while. So I worked in the travel industry for several years, back pre-computers when everything was telephone. Everything you did was on the telephone. And after about four years of this, I got really burned out. I was living in San Francisco. I just, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to break. You know, you hear telephones ring and cringe. Like, you, you've got a little attitude problem. So I quit that. I had no idea what I was going to do. I thought about going back to grad school. And then um, I knew some people that worked at the opera. And he asked me if I wanted to be a dresser for some of the uh, supers in the big productions. And this was back in Mr. Adler's days when they had big productions. and. It was really grand opera in the true sense of the word. And uh, so I says, okay. I'll... I knew a little bit about opera. I used to listen to Metropolitan Opera broadcasts on Saturdays on my little transistor radio when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. So I showed up, went to work, and by the end of the season, I was you know, one of the right-hand people. And then you could work opera and ballet at the same time if you were a dresser. And they, they offered me a job for Nutcracker and that was to foot in the door there, and within two years it evolved that I could do that full time. And uh, it, it's, 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 none of this was in the cards, you know? I mean, I should, I mean, I've coached baseball, I've coached high school tennis, I've done a lot of other things, but uh, I wouldn't trade places with anybody in the world right now. <laughs> well, you mentioned big opera productions, and Cinderella is pretty much as large-scale as you're going to find in the ballet world. Can you tell us uh, just, you know, how, roughly how many costumes are in this production, and what are you dealing with backstage and down in the costume shop during the run? Well, there's about 330 costumes that were made for the production. Um, I'm not sure how many make it on stage each time, maybe about 180. Uh, the great thing is a lot of extras were made because it, it belongs to two companies, San Francisco Ballet and Dutch National. And I was very fortunate to be sent over to Holland where they were building it and had the world premiere. And uh, I was there for three days and I had to learn everything I could about all the costumes, about the flow of the show, w you know, where the changes took place, who did it. It, it was a, a real crash course in three days. And, uh, and the interesting thing about going over to see it, uh, I had seen the designs, and some of the designs I thought looked a little bit heavy. And I wasn't sure how exciting the show was going to be. And once I went over there, I flew, left here, got there on a Monday, went to the theater, spent eight hours in the theater, saw the run through that night on stage, you know, with no sleep or anything. And I was like, whoa, 
this is terrific. So, uh, and you'll feel that way after today too, and during, during the whole afternoon. I'm getting off on a tangent here a little bit, but anyway. Uh, so that, where were we? Well, <laughs> well, well let's, let's go ahead and segue a little bit, um, okay. just in terms of, uh, there, are, there are quite a few unusual costumes in this production. My personal favorite's the bird ladies. You know, I used to want to be a swan, but now it's the bird ladies. Um, so are there any particular materials or design elements that are, you know, that are new to you that you'd never dealt with before or that require particular handling? Anything? Well, we, we haven't done anything that had like birds or animals type of things in quite a long time. And the, the bird things are wonderful. There, there are a lot of feathers, so they, uh, you know, you kind of leave a trail a lot of places. And the tails, there has to be a whole unit that goes underneath the dress that holds the, uh, a, a, a lightweight metal shaft that comes up that you put the tail on. And, uh, and the heads, they were a real problem for a long time until they kept making the eye holes bigger and bigger and the netting bigger size net so they could see because you know, you gotta be able to see. But it, it, it's the whole thing in Cinderella it's a lot of stuff and a lot of complicated things, but nothing is what you'd call any new modern gimmicks or anything. It's all basically old kind of uh, construction, old type of theater, just imagination, and the, the things you can get in Europe to make things which are, it's a lot better than in the United States. Um, this doesn't quite look like the one on the poster because the one on the poster is, is, is more photoshopped and made up, and, but this is, this is supposed to be the same one. Okay. This is Cinderella's ball gown, right? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, the whole thing, I mean, like I said, we haven't done the animals in a long time, and you've got these big giant heads and the smaller heads, and you've got the horse heads, and you've got... There's a lot of stuff in the show. <laughs> So, um, so during, while the show's up and running, what, what are you doing? Are you fixing things as they, you know, have problems or just well, what like, kind of maintenance is involved? Anything can happen at any time. And you're, you're always checking up on things. You're, you're, you're going to the stage to see the, take one last look at everybody before they go into each act. Um, because there might be a little glitch here or something there. You, you just have to have an eye for everything before they go to the stage. And um, anything with complications like heads and stuff, you really have to keep an eye on. Uh, you have to make sure people check them in advance so that it's the right size or adjustable. But if somebody comes up, grabs the head, puts it on, it's too, it's too big, we got a problem. And um, so it's just repetition, 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 and occasionally something falls apart could be something like a shoe buckle comes off, you just repair it right away. Or if a zipper breaks, you find another costume that might be able to work and say, here, put this on. Um, every day is different. <laughs> if you're just coming in, I'm speaking with wardrobe manager George Alvin. So you say, you know, throw on another costume and there are 330 costumes, but they're not all being used. And that's because there are duplicates and there are people who share certain costumes. Um, can you talk a little bit just about the logistics of, of why there are, 
are extras made and how that works? Well, they, they, it, when the production was made, there was a commitment between the two organizations to make more than just what they needed in, in the Netherlands for their company. That's where the first costumes were made and, and fit. And it was really wonderful to get the production and find out that for the prince, wow, we've got about five extras. And uh, it gives you the confidence that no matter what their sizes were, we'll be able to cover everybody we have. So you, you, before you do this though, I mean, when the stuff arrived, then you have to fit everybody and they have to be altered to fit our people. And um, you measure things in advance so you get kind of a preliminary concept as to what the size is so you don't just say, here, try one, you know, each of these six on. You make a plan. And uh, it isn't often we have the opportunity to have that many costumes. I mean, this is like fabulous. Uh, but you know, it all comes down to money too. They do cost money and you, you make do, you make do, but this was, easier to make do because <laughs> it goes back to Holland now for a little while and uh, and we have a great relationship with them um, they're wonderful people and uh, we, we work very well together with them well you mentioned money and about 10 years ago you told me that a Swan Lake tutu cost about four or five thousand dollars so what would that be 10 years down the road roughly and this is a pretty standard tutu. <laughs> it, it, it depends on where it's made. If we had it made in England, we could probably still get it for about 5000 or so. But something like this, which is from Sleeping Beauty, um, it's about 20 years old, and it was made in New York. And we have, we have the, if you've seen Sleeping Beauty, it has so many fantastic, gorgeous tutus in it. Just, they're just unbelievable. And it still looks great. And at that time, that was about four or 5,000. I would think with all the decoration and the jewels on something like this, you might be you know, 6,000 or more. So that's why we take really good care of them um, and keep them going. And people say, well, do you wash them? Well, you hand wash it. Sometimes you can take the bodice off and wash the bottom of it. It, uh, it depends. They're, I mean, you can go get a, some really cheap ones, but they won't last. And they sure won't look like this. <laughs> Not for long. But, um, you know. So, obviously, it's, it's a brand new production, so you don't have the of, perspective of time yet. But live theater often involves nightmarish situations that down the road are very funny. And I wondered if you had any uh, stories you could dredge up for us about things that, uh, that will never leave your memory banks. Well, I don't know if they're particularly funny, but <laughs> I don't, uh, some of you might have been here on a Nutcracker once, the old Nutcracker, where we had the Mother Ginger house and the kids would be under it and they'd come out and they'd dance around and, and the guy that was doing it was on stilts and sometimes they got a little bit wild with the choreography and when the thing would hit the floor if you didn't keep it balanced if you're going too fast and hit the floor it would stop it would stop you wouldn't and the guy that was doing it one day hit the floor and all of a sudden his momentum carried over and whomp, over he went right in the middle of the stage and um, he was a 
he was okay at the time. I mean, the first thing you do is say, stagehands dragged him off. You know, show stopped, you dragged him off. And fortunately, the dancer was okay. But uh, that's a day you will never forget, that's for sure. And, um, well, I hadn't thought about it in a while, but there's, we try not to have too many of those things happen, you know. <laughs> the idea is to avoid it. But things, things do happen, and uh, you improvise, and the dancers are smart enough to improvise, and uh, somehow we get through it. And, and most of the time, most of the audience doesn't even know it happened. <laughs> so your job um, becomes, I would imagine, quite a bit more complicated when the company goes on tour. Um, can you talk a little bit just about how things are in terms of the wardrobe department on tour? Well, when you go on tour, uh, there's usually two, two wardrobe people that go on tour, so you don't have your staff there to take care of the, whatever happens. You're basically on your own. You do hire some local people, but they don't know the production. And um, you learn ways to make things happen. I mean, uh, you know, it's pretty good right here. I have a laundry person that takes care of all the laundry for the show. Well, when we go on the road, I'm the laundry person also. So, you know, I do very good laundry now, all over the world. But, because um, things have to be cleaned all the time. So, you just, uh, you pick up the pace. You better have a plan. And, uh, I mean, I've been touring for like 35 years now. And uh, it, it's always an adventure. You're never bored. Sometimes you go in with theater and you look around and you wonder, how in the world are we going to manage in here? It's so small. There's not this, there's not that. But... You know, it's, it's not, uh, there's not a choice. You, you find a way to make it work, and I love it. I mean, that's a great challenge. You know, instead of sitting back saying, wow, we can't do this, we can't do this. We're about, how can we do it, <laughs> you know? Um, and there's some, been some places that were very challenging, really challenging. Uh, I could tell stories, but uh, this year we're returning to Paris. Were you going to bring that up later? Can I bring it up? You may go right Okay, ahead. we're going to Paris in July, and it's uh, three and a half weeks, and we're going to be indoors this time, which is a big improvement over nine years ago. Uh, but we're taking somewhere, oh, 2025 ballets, which is like doing practically a full season. I mean, some of them are small things on the gala and whatnot. But uh, that's really going to have to be planned out, uh, because when you're 6,000 miles from home, you forgot something. That's it, folks. You can't forget anything. But so if, you're, if you have nothing to do in July and you want to come to Paris and see practically a whole season, I, I encourage you to do that. <laughs> so is there anything particular, like in terms of equipment that you need in terms of transporting tutus and things? Is, is this a specialized thing, or do you just pack them up like you'd pack up anything else? Well, we're, the organization has made a commitment to... To, to really have things, to spend the money so that things transport very not, pretty well. For example, tutus like this, when we've taken this to Orange County and, and Washington, D.C., we have some tutu cubes that each, uh, they have slots, and each tutu has a slot, so there's some air around it. Uh, in the old days, companies, and they probably, some of them still do, just pile them up on a, on a stake, you know, pile them up one on top of the other, and you take it on the road. We do a little better than that if we have room for the tutu cubes. Um, it, it depends on, you know, then you have to find out if the doors of the theater are big enough to get, get the cubes through it and so on. But you have to do your homework. You really have to do your homework. But we, 
the storage. We have slots for storage at the warehouse. And I've never seen, I've been around a ballet theater and a few other, the Joffrey when they were really wonderful in New York. And we really take care of the stuff exceptionally well, if I do say so myself. So, but that's because the company has made the commitment to maintain the assets, which is in the long term worth it. I remember being down in the costume shop um, uh, during Swan Lake and Sleeping Beauty a number of years ago, and, and I was fascinated by the fact that you use spray bottles of vodka as dis disinfectant, and that tutus can actually be washed in the washing machine. Um, so uh, are there other little fascinating things like that you can tell us about? Well, you, you can wash just about anything if you're very careful about it and uh, do it by hand and cold water. Obviously, feathers wouldn't do too well. But uh, so many times, you know, say, oh, you can only dry clean this. Well, dry cleaning is really the last thing you want to do because it's not really good for fabrics. And in dance, you have a lot of stretch fabric, and dry cleaning, the chemicals will kill the stretch. Uh, a couple of times dry cleaning, it's all gone. So you have to, it's amazing. And yeah, we've washed tutus and washing machines that don't have a hoop, no metal hoop. <laughs> but you just do it very, very carefully. And, um, and we try to keep things, you have to keep things clean. It, it, you know, it'd be embarrassing to give a dancer something that, that wasn't. <laughs> I see we've got some latecomers coming in. So this is George Alvin, the wardrobe manager. And I, I think I'm going to open this up to questions for you. I have a few more on my list, but I want to give you time. Um, because we have limited time, I do ask one question per person, and please keep it brief. When you have multiple ballerinas dancing a role, how do you accommodate the different body sizes? Well, you, there are enough in this production that basically most of them have their own. Uh, sometimes there are some shares, but, but um, fortunately, with the amount of costumes that were made, um, you, really, it, it, you really shape it to each person because uh, that's what you need for the principles. Oh, well, they have fans. The question was just um, types of fabrics when there are special effects that cause great billowing fabrics and things like that. Well, you need, you need something that can move, like, you know, chiffon or whatever. And, and uh, I'm not going to give away the story, but in, in the show today at the end of the first act, you'll see a terrific example of it that'll just blow your mind away. And there's nothing uh, particularly sophisticated about it. It's not tricks and gimmicks. It's just good old-fashioned theater with an electric fan. And wow. <laughs> you know, the whole production's like that. It, it's real theater in the, in, in the old sense of the word.
Do you ever use Velcro as a fastener? Uh, not on, on a bodice or anything. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you might on a cuff, you might on a cape that goes on or something, but uh, not, not with a dancer because it, 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 they move and they breathe and, and that's just too risky. Uh, it's got to be something a little more, you know, uh, secure. But we use a lot of Velcro, but not, not on something that's really fitting close to the body. So for something close to the body, would you use like hooks and eyes? Hooks and eyes, uh, yeah, because even hooks and eyes are better than uh, snaps because snaps can un come undone. Sometimes use a combination. So many uh, uh, hooks and eyes and maybe a snap every three or four of them in case it moves this way. And that way it, it'll stay put. When a costume is, is in effect also a prop, how does that happen? Is that the choreographer working with the designer? Is that the costume designer alone? How, any input on that? Well, any big project I've been involved with, I mean, the designer and the choreographer basically are working hand, you know, really close together. I mean, they have to. Otherwise, we're caught in the middle between something, you know? So uh, we don't have a lot of input unless they come to us and say, uh, how, are we gonna, you know, how are we gonna do this? And um, yeah, I didn't know it, it's, the choreographer generally is the person who decides who the designer is. So it's usually somebody they know, have worked with, have confidence in, and that, you know, so that helps. Can, can you talk a little bit about the quick costume changes in the production and how those happen? Well, uh, <laughs> th th there are some very quick ones. So people to say quick change. Well, I mean, at 20 seconds, that's a, that's a really fast change. And, and you have to do it at the end of, um, from Foreign Lands, there's one of the guys that uh, comes off after the fifth movement and he has to be right back on. And he has to change the, the, uh, the knickers and the vest. And it happens. I mean, when we first they first put it together, I said, "Well, this is, could be a problem," um, but you rehearse it. You rehearse it in advance. Uh, even today, you'll see where there's a, something happens on stage and something has to get zipped up. You get the people together. Let's just review it. How this is going to happen? And um, I mean, I can tell a story where one time a ballet did die because the fast change didn't happen. And it was a long time ago, and uh, it was a ballet called Cyrano's Dream by John McFall. And uh, the main character, the guy that was Cyrano, is supposed to transform into, uh, into Christian. And there's a really quick change. I mean, the boots, the pants, bang, bang. Now, the dancer had to do one thing, take the shoulder cape off. We didn't have time for that. And we were down in Pasadena, and... Uh, <laughs> Everything gets changed, and he goes out there, and you can see the purple one, the original one's hanging down below the gold, which kind of ruined the whole effect. And that was the last time we ever did the ballet, but uh, for one reason or another. But I've never forgotten it, and that's, uh, well, that's 35 years ago. 
you know, and I, I felt, I took it kind of personally, I went to the choreographer and I really apologized because, you know, if, if our job is to make it work. That's, that's the whole idea. And if you don't make it work, it, it's your responsibility. One quick question, is this a quick one? How many companies might a set of costumes be used by? Well, the, the, yeah, the trend lately is to co-own productions because it saves you half the initial capital outlay. Uh, we rent a lot of things from other people too, and people rent from us. That's kind of been the trend the last 10 years because it costs a lot of money to build your own set of costumes. Um, I've never known more than two companies to split the cost. Uh, last year, if you saw Eugene O'Negan, we ran it from National Ballet, but it went from National Ballet to us, to ABT, back to us, and back to National Ballet of Canada. And uh, that, that was interesting. <laughs> we are out of time. I'd like to thank you all for coming, and thank you so much for being here today, George. Uh, sure. Hang on, hang on. Okay. Uh, one last little thing I want to tell you. Um, I told you this is home in many ways to me. I look out in the house and it's just, I never get tired of looking at it. But, and we work with some fabulous costumes and everything else, and, and, but it's about the people I work with and not just the, the wardrobe people, especially about the dancers. I work with some fantastic human beings. Uh, they're not just talented, but they're, they make you want to come to work in the morning, you know, and you're putting in 12-hour days. And... Uh, it, it, it's like your family, and uh, I am very fortunate to be part of that. I mean, you work 60, 70 hours sometimes in a week, and that tests it, but, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic, and, and it's great, because without the audience, without you folks coming to see the product we put there, without the uh, dancers out on the stage risking injury every day, none of this would happen, and it's fantastic. That's a lovely thought. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you all.